Welcome back for another episode of the Vitamin C's podcast, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. I am your host, Tim Shields, and I am joined by my co-host and bro, Wayne Breezy Brown. Uh, before we get into it, before we talk about everything that happened in Game 6, all of the excitement, all the action, and looking ahead towards the next series, first things first, Wayne, how are we doing today, man? I I, I know you, I, I'm expecting a very good answer, but... I think my smile says it all. Uh, the Celtics close out that series. What a fight, right? It was just, it was like a boxing match. Literally. That's off to the Hawks, man. Seriously. They played, Tim. Like, they came, they brought it every night. The way they played the first two games, it, it just looked like it was going to be a sweep. But they they must have had some type of uh, conversation in the locker room or what. And they were like, you know what? Let's play these Celtics really hard. This is not a downgrade to them. They were a really good team. Trey Young just showed me why he's an NBA All-Star, All-NBA team. Like, he he proved that why he is that. He's dangerous out there on the court. I know we talked about this earlier, about him possibly not returning, and they, like, building the team in a different I don't, direction. I don't, I don't see it now. Now. Because he, no. he was huge to keep them in this in these games. I mean, DeJounte was pretty quiet in uh, game six in yeah. terms of just overall score and impact. Um, Trey, however, was just – he was getting to the line. There was a point in time where I was losing my mind because he was just getting to the free throw line with ease. And they getting just, foul calls, Tim. Like, so yeah, that's what I'm saying. The they were he was great. He was grifting hardcore there for a while, and that's that's what he's able to do. You know, where he's that kind of shifty size, and he's so fast, and you know, he's able to get past people. And you know, sometimes the defense ends up overcompensating and reaching, and that's how you get those calls. I mean, he was really impressive, though. I will give him that much. And I also want to give a hats off to Quinn Snyder. Um, Quinn Snyder coming into that situation and coaching the way he did, um, fantastic. Like that, that was not a team that you probably would have expected to be in there based on how they were performing. But, you know, he galvanized that team, got them to the plan. Now you look at it and, you know, they've got some stuff to figure out. Sure. But they still have a really strong base. They've still got some pieces they can move around. You know, do they keep John Collins? Do they get rid of John Collins? That seems to have been the question for the past few years. I thought John Collins had some solid performances in this series, um, hit some big shots. But, you know, if they want to try and upgrade, I'm interested to see what's out there potentially. Maybe there's some other teams shaking things up. But overall, they put in a really good battle. And I think that was a lot. It was a lot more than I think most people expected, ourselves included. Um, I think the one thing that we were watching out for was the shooting. And this had turned out to be a very high scoring series because both of these teams were just out running and gunning and uh it made for some fun basketball. I'll tell you that much. This was a fun series. Stressful, but fun. <laughs> yeah, very stressful because one team, everything is going in, and the other team, it's like, why do we take that shot? Like, why, why, why that shot at that moment? But what I liked about Game Six was, I think the Celtics figured out what the Atlanta Hawks were trying to do, and you just you just hit the nail on the head. The Hawks must have came out after Game Two and said, you know what, guys. F it. Let's just shoot it. Let's just shoot it. Force them to shoot back. You know what I'm saying? If we hit, we hit. They had nothing. Like the, the Atlanta Hawks 
literally had nothing to lose. I mean, obviously they were playing for a championship, but they knew they were at the bottom, you know, the seven seed. They they had really had nothing to really play for because the Celtics were supposed to be this such dominant team going into that matchup, going into that series. And so I think they just came out after getting beat really bad in, in the first two games, and they just said, let's come out and just shoot it. If we make our shots, cool. I mean, Hunter was just taking shots. DeAndre Hunter... I didn't even know could hit threes. I don't remember the Hawks even being a three-point shooting team all season long. If they were, they wouldn't have won 41 games. Like, they came out like they were the number one three-point shooting team. Like, and, and they would just take them, Tim. And I said to myself, Celtics, please don't get in the shootout. Please don't get in the shootout. Please don't get in the shootout. And we got into a shootout, Right. But luckily, we were able to hit those shots. Um, and, you know, it, the Celtics' game plan uh, is to attack. And they they could get to the rim pretty much any time they wanted. I just never understood why they had to result and settle for, sh- for threes. And I feel like that's a lot of the reasons why they found themselves down in games and things like that. But... You know, fourth quarter, man. It's not about how you start. It's always about how you finish. I guess that old cliche will never go to bed. Yeah, and I think I think the one thing that the Hawks were doing is they were trying to play to their strengths. You know, they kind of changed things up. Like you said, game three and four felt very, very different from those first two games. And it came down to just the physicality and leaning into their bigs. And they started to do a lot of that in terms of just getting to the basket. You had Trey cutting a lot and then just finding people for these little like boop, like little lobs, like right around the hoop. Um, and those are like massive momentum swings. And there was a couple of times where stuff like that happened too, where the Celtics would get like a great stop or something like that. And then, you know, um, the Hawks would, you know, somehow get the offensive board and then throw up like a quick lob. There were so many times that that happened. And I think, This series was really good in a lot of ways because it forces the Celtics to sort of take a look in the mirror. And I think they did that to a degree in game six to win this series. You know, you saw Tatum fired up. You saw Tatum be a lot more aggressive getting to the basket. He took threes, right? So like at the end of the day, looking at his final stat line, he did take a lot of threes. This time he did take 10 threes, but he went four of 10. So 40% shooting. Very solid numbers. (laughs) Much more respectable. 40% is nothing to scoff at. Um, And you had another game where both Tatum and Brown scored over 30 points. Um, Now they've got like the highest winning percentage in NBA history for duos that get 30 points or more in a game. Higher than um, MJ and Pippen, I'm pretty sure. I think that's what they ended up passing. But like 23 and one all time when both of those guys get 30 points wow. or more in a game, which is just a, it's a crazy stat line. It just reminds you how special that pairing is, but they overall were just a lot more aggressive in this game six to close things out. I think offensively, <laughs> I think offensively, that's kind of like what you needed from them. I think Tatum still took a lot of uh, a good amount of threes, but he was getting more to the hoop, right? Like you yeah. saw him be way more aggressive. I mean, I think one of the best plays that I saw was that was that freaking follow up on uh, the miss. Oh, the the, the two hand slam! Oh my dunk. god! After the miss, I oh he just my, came out. I of lost nowhere. my mind. But we needed Insane. it, right? Because that momentum is, swings. The baby. momentum swing it All changed the it. energy of the game. Mm-hmm. Atlanta never seen it. They didn't see it coming. And once it happened, they were probably like, "Oh shoot, 
right? And so, like, that's kind of like what happened. I mean, we were hitting big shots at the end, Al Horvath with the three. Uh, it was good to see Grant Williams out there. He played for about 17 and a half minutes. Uh, like, and, 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 you know, he had a three point. He had any three points, but, like, just being out there on the floor, that's what we needed. It was it was something different. The only thing that was going crazy is that we were just going back and forth, back and forth. They take the lead, we take the lead. They take the lead, we take the lead. They take the lead. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It was can, rough. Can the team yeah. go on a run? At least go on a run. It was right? stressful. It was stressful. That was well, that was the hard part. The you, tried, you tried watching, you know, the, the game six and, and doing the draft show at the same time. You want to talk about stressful? Man. That jump was crazy. No, but I get that, though. So, like, CLNS was doing, like, a pre-draft thing, right? So, <laughs> that that started at 7. And so, like, I had to upload the L3s into uh, our streaming software to make sure that they were there. And then, like, at the same time, I'm, like, cooking dinner. So, I'm, like, running between, like, my office and the kitchen. So, like, I got to go through my living room to my kitchen in my apartment. And so, like, I'm, like, going back and forth. I've got Celtics pregame on my TV. And, like, I had a friend staying over. And so, like, I'm doing all of, like, the software and, like, getting everything uploaded and then getting stuff ready for Celtics post-game show because, like, it's just going to segue. So, like, from, like, 7 until, like, mm, I'm going to say, like, one yep. one thirty in the morning Ooh. was just, like, whew, like, all of it was just crazy. This is what I wanted to avoid because I knew that the NFL draft was coming. And then as soon as it lined up, I was, like, Oh, Wayne's gonna have a nightmare night too. <laughs> man, look, <laughs> your nine years coverage, man. They did, they did us zero favors, but nope. we won, and that's the only thing that mattered. They're gonna be moving on to uh, Philadelphia, uh, and it's gonna be that's gonna be a great series, different kind of series, uh, great series again. Uh, probably a, what, we'll win in six. That's, that's kind of like how I'm looking at it. I expect saying it to go five. You saying five? I think I'm it's gonna go five. six. It's gonna be one of those games where, like, with uh, what's their young quick guard? Like, he just happens, Maxie. Maxie just has one good game. Maxie that, should have at least one good game. That'll be the difference right there. I mean, we're gonna be playing Harden. We're gonna be playing Embiid if he's coming back from his injury. And if, like you said, we talked about this also earlier, if he does come back from his injury, he shouldn't be at a hundred percent. But you know, these these professional players are always at a, at their hundred percent when they're playing, and that's kind of like what it comes down to. But I just like the matchups better. I just think I think against Philadelphia, we just match up better. We have taller wings. We have wings that can match up with their wings. I mean, they have like you said, they have Maxi, who's a quick guard. But you know, James Harden is going to get off. I don't think James Harden will take half of the nearly the long ass three point shots that we watched Trey Young play against. So the Celtics should have some type of favor there. Right. I don't think he takes him that deep and, and that frequent. I mean, Trey would just come up and look at all four people on the court and just shoot the three from half court and it'll go in. I just be like, well, damn. I mean, how do you defend that? I don't think we'll get that from Harden, but I think it's going to be a good matchup. You got the experienced head coach with the inexperienced, you know, the younger inexperienced head coach. Uh, and shout out to our coach. This is his first semifinals, right? Like this is the first, his first. First as a head coach. As I a mean, head coach. I mean, it, all of this is going to be first for him, but I mean, he was a big part of both Brad's tenure, um, tenure. Tenure. <laughs> tenure, <laughs> tomato, tenure. tomato. Yeah. Tenure, tenure. <laughs> Just made it um, French. <laughs> um, so he was a big part of Brad's tenure when he was here um, towards the tail end of it. And then he was here. Uh, for Ime. So he has some experience in it, but it, as a head coach, it's a totally different animal, right? The one thing I will watch out for is right now, um, 
this is from John Clark, um, NBC, NBC Sports. I'm guessing. Uh, I'm told Joel Embiid's status for Game One in Boston uh, on Monday is still not known after a meeting with doctors, and it may not be known until Sunday or Monday. Okay. Depends how sprain how his sprained LCL responds and feels the next few days. There is hopes that he can play early on in the series in a brace. I don't know how confident I would be if I were 76ers fans in that, just because I know that this is a serious injury like LCLs, especially for a big guy that's going to affect his movement. Um, this is from two days ago um, from doc saying and Joel Embiid did a little shooting off to the side today. No m- movement still didn't practice. Um, Rivers said he believes that Embiid has a bigger meeting set with doctors about his right knee sprain either tomorrow or the next day. So I think that was probably why his status is still up in the air. Um, it's still not known after that meeting. Wow. So that kind of tells you how significant this injury is. And I, I do wonder how much of it is just general fatigue or if this is something chronic at this point, or I don't even really know like when the knee started becoming an issue for him. Cause I just know that like he will, he's like a lot of other, these other guys. Right. And then the same way that Jason Tatum does this, where it's like, and Marcus smart too, but like they play through injuries and you don't know how bad it is until like, it's really bad. It's really bad. Like the same thing with Jason Tatum's wrist. Like all of a sudden, like it's an issue and it's like, well, he might get operated. might not. And it's like, I get you're trying to be coy about this, but like this was avoidable if you, had it looked at and like decided on surgery in the off season, I would have much rather had you, you know, miss a few games at the beginning of the season while you're recovering from whatever wrist surgery might be needed. But if it's significant and you want to try and avoid it, like I get it, but you know, unfortunately for Tatum's situation, that wrist injury got re-aggravated against drumroll, please the 76ers. (laughs) That's the funny thing. (laughs) Oh, you got to get the sounds. We've got Landon, Landon, There's the against the 76ers roll. in the uh, <laughs> season, I think it was the season opener. Uh, he re-injured it like right off the bat in like game one. Yeah. So, and I, I feel I'm, like it's been affecting him ever since. But he's been playing through it. You know, he's been playing better. I think just because they've kept it wrapped so much. Um, and this is this is actually from yesterday. This is from Keith Pompey, who does um, um, Pompey on Sixers. This is his Twitter handle. Um, Shake Milton on Joel Embiid. I know whenever game one comes around and he's available, I know he's going to dominate like he always does with Joe. It's nothing you really have to worry about. He's getting his work in and he's going to be prepared. I don't think it's a matter of preparation, but um, if you want to talk about preparation um, (laughs) during this layover between series for the 76ers, James Harden decided to go to Las Vegas. The man is in Vegas. There was a video tweeted out by TMZ about like, they were like, he like slapped someone it, like he was like kind of playfully slapping someone in the face. And I think it's one of his friends or something, but like teams, he was like, Oh, James Harden slapped someone in the face. And it's like in Las Vegas. And it's like, so this is recent, like this, this got posted within the past 12 hours. So that he's, he's in Vegas. So well, let's meanwhile, hope he's tardy for the party on Monday. <laughs> I just don't, I don't understand. This is a guy who just like, Basketball players do strange things, man. Like uh, James Harden the, does strange things. Well, who was the basketball player that went to Magic City to get chicken wings? Uh, oh my God, was that Lou? Was Lou, that Lou, Lou Williams? Lou. Where's Lou oh Williams? Oh my God, man? was it Lou Williams? Who <laughs> it was Lou Williams. Call? It was Lou Williams. Yes, it was. 
They okay. we they do you know they they we're, we're human beings, man. We we do strange things. I mean, I I don't I don't mind going to Magic City for yeah, the chicken wings. Williams. Either. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, but why is Harden during the NBA playoffs in Vegas now? For look, honestly, I don't really care. Like for me, the Celtics just need to do what they do, and they've played well against Philly all season long. And so, I mean, I don't even think any of that stuff matters anymore because they beat Atlanta. They swept Atlanta in the season series, and then they get to the playoffs, and then Atlanta comes out with a haymaker and just starts shooting and making their shots. But I just like the way we match up against the Philadelphia 76ers a little bit better. Um, Okay, I'm going to say this, and I don't know how you might take it, but I'd rather see the Heat than the Knicks. Like, I'd rather see the Heat. Yeah, yeah. I no, I I agree with that. Um, only because I don't. Obviously, we know that they're not healthy, right? And right. Randall's dealing with stuff too, and Randall is a problem. But the Knicks don't have. It's not that they don't have drop off, but they're still able to play really, really well without him. I know they've got. I think it was Sims is now out for the season. Um, he's like their second year center or something like that. It's, I think it was a shoulder injury, some kind of surgery. Um, so he's going to be out for the season. I'm not too too familiar with all of the players on the Knicks roster but they are a tough team. And uh, my first game that I went to as a media member was against the Knicks. It was that overtime loss. I can tell you this much. That's a team that is tenacious. They're well coached. Um, And that's not to say that the Heat aren't. We've spoken many praises about Eric Spolstra, and that's still true. Um, All of that is. But Coach Tibbs, Thibodeau, is going to – get everything that he can out of a team in terms of physicality. And he's a everything. grinder, grinder, like he's old school too, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, uh, I didn't know that, but that doesn't surprise me, but he was also part of this staff for doc for a while. He, he was, was on doc staff for the he title. Was, and then he was, he was the coach he the for the Bulls. Yeah. He coached yeah, the D, he was like right? the defensive minded coach. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's exactly, if you look at the Knicks and how they play, it's that's his formula still. It's still very much like a grinded out kind of style of basketball. And for, for the Knicks, it works perfectly. You know, um, and so I, I worry about that for the Celtics because I think that's a team that they've had close encounters with in the regular season, games that they should have won and didn't. And maybe that gives you more ammunition going into it. But I like the idea of going against Miami because, yeah, you don't have Tyler Harrow. Um, they don't really have a lot of big men depth behind Bam Adebayo. You just got to figure it's, out Butler. And Jimmy's going to be a problem. And so you got to decide like whether or not, like, do you just let Jimmy just do what he wants to do? Similar to like what people would do with LeBron or Giannis, where it's just like you let one guy just try and do everything and force that one guy to beat you. Um, and that might be it. Maybe that is. I mean, Jimmy, Jimmy's a terrifying player to go against in the playoffs. It's a reason why I was like, please just don't draw the heat because that Not was going first. for sure was going to be like a <laughs> that was going to be a seven game series. Yeah. And I'm I'm still reeling from the fact that the we didn't even talk about it really, but like the Bucks, you know, they bumped. the Bucks getting bumped, man. They got, they got bumped. bumped. And hey, man, they got a lot it, of stuff to figure out now, too. Yeah, they're a totally different team. I mean, Giannis is still a superstar, but, you know, the team is different. It's a little older. It's a little slower. Uh, and they're just not surrounded by the same young, scrappy energy that they used to have. Like, right? And so that's kind of, you know, they went up against, uh, I don't know why he's so underrated amongst stars in the NBA, but they went up against Jimmy Butler. Like, 
He put the team on his back and said, come on, guys, I got this. I mean, that's literally what he did. I mean, Bam was oh, – he, he wasn't insignificant, but, I mean, he was just regular. He like, wasn't taking over games. like he, No. It's, there's just, just, it's a different kind of thing, right, that, that Butler does when he takes over a game. And it's – it's terrible. Like he was, they were down six with like two and a half minutes left. And you I, know what he's I watched he's, po- he's pointing at Drew Holiday's like, I own you. And then he just proceeded to back it all up, which is just incredible. And it's so on brand for Jimmy Butler. Rated Tim. I'm sorry. He's underrated. I, think, I don't think, I don't think it's a matter of underrated. I think it's just, I think he's a really good player. I think some people do overrate him. I think some people underrate him. I think it's, He's one of those guys that like puts up really solid stats, but when the moment like gets when the lights are brightest and the moment is the highest pressure, he performs. And I don't think that you can say that about every single player. In the same way that Trey Young, like there are other point guards in the NBA that I would prefer on my team over Trey Young. That's not a shot at Trey, it's just acknowledging it. Trey has defensive limitations. I've talked about that. Absolutely. But when the lights are the brightest, and he has to show up. He puts on a show. He puts on a show. And that's show. what he did against the Celtics. And that's what Jimmy Butler does in the playoffs. When, when he has to put the team on his back, he's got no problem doing it. It's the reason why that the Miami Heat were in the finals in the bubble. I mean, if he weren't so gassed, they probably would have taken that series, in my yeah. opinion. So yeah. it's just yeah. kudos to him. you know. And that's, I mean, you look at how Philly handled that situation. I think Philly should have obviously held on to Jimmy Butler. They chose Ben Simmons and Tobias Harris. And, that ultimately was a really stupid decision because I think if I think if Philly still had Butler and they had Embiid and you know found a way to go add another guy, whether it be James Harden or someone else, Harden wouldn't be there though, right? I think they would have found a way to make it work. I think Harden and Butler and Embiid would have been disgusting. That would have probably won at least one championship by now. Philly's gonna have to sit with that. All, all three of those guys <laughs> want need the ball. They need the ball. That's the that's that and to me, that's why Miami is just doing their thing, right? Because nobody else needs the ball in their hand. Who else so, can operate and create for themselves it. like Butler? And, and yeah. so Butler is the creator, he's the you know, the magician, he's making stuff happen. Like that's what he's doing. That's why they win. With the Knicks, though, it's gonna be interesting because now they gotta play keep up. The Knicks so the Knicks are fast. And furious now the and injury to yeah and young, I I forget how much youth plays a role, especially when the youth is good and your team is on a good roll. I don't know how much Randall's injury is going to affect him playing. Uh, it may be huge for the Knicks. It may not be because they seem to still stay pat uh, against the Cavs even when he left the game. But it's got that's going to be a good series. Boston is going to have to just do their thing. I don't. The good thing, we won't have to play down the competition. So, like, this is not a play down the competition type series, if that makes any sense. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. I think that was a concern going into the Atlanta Hawks series. And I think that was sort of why it was good that the Hawks came out swinging against the Celtics. Because I think it kind of forced them to look at look at themselves and the way that they were performing and deciding what kind of team we want to be. Um, we know what we're capable of. Are we going to play up to our expectations? Um, so just an update, I was looking for it. Um, Julius Randle was taking jumpers um, at the end of practice. Um, he seemed to look okay. This is good from uh, Zach. Uh, I think it's Braziller. Um, good news for, for the, the New York Post. That's yeah, really and then uh, Ian Begley also had this. He said Julius Randle went through limited practice today, just shooting, lifting, and cardio in the pool, Tom Thibodeau says. Uh, Tibbs also says they uh, will take it day by day with Randle. Um, and as you think, there is a def- there is definitive timetable for his return at this point. Um, 
So I think that they've got an idea. Maybe he'll be back for game one. I don't know for sure. Um, they're hopeful though. That's what they've, you know, they said he moved well today. And that is today, today. Like this is stuff from like four minutes ago. Um, as that, as that series, you know, looks to kick off very, very soon. But, you know, you're at a point now where you're looking at the rest of the East. And this is sort of why I think once you saw the Bucks get knocked out by the Heat, you had to look at the rest of the East and say, we need to beat the Hawks right now. Because yeah. you look around the rest and it's just, yeah, those are all teams that the Celtics should beat. But like, if you told someone at the beginning of the season that like, this is what those final four teams are going to be in the East, they probably wouldn't have believed you. 76 is believable. Okay. The Miami Heat being where they are at based on how they finished the season, you probably wouldn't have thought that. I, the way they closed this game out, let me know that this is going to, they're going to be a problem going forward. So that w- it was good. It was like we said, it was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Celtics finally, last few minutes of this game, they just took the realms and they said, listen, we're going to go out and do it. And it took the vets, right? It took Marcus Smart. It took Al Horford. It took the, the veterans of this team to sit there and make big plays, hustle plays, grab a rebound for a change, like just the little intricate things to keep your team, you know, in that win column. And so I thought the way that they closed out the game was fantabulous i know that's a new word for some of you guys out there watching <laughs> uh but we needed that like we, we seriously needed it it was it was definitely needed brogdon had a good game off the bench too like he and he was just in a zone right he would just come pop pull up hit the midi pop pull up hit the midi take a three hit the midi like that's what we need yo just go out there and play your game stop they did it they did it. They got the win. That's the only thing that mattered. It's the only thing that yeah. mattered. Yeah, I, I think the mid-range, especially for Brogdon, there was a couple really tough buckets that he got. Um, the three-point shot was not really there for him. He went one of five. But I remember the one three that he did hit was uh, really big. It was off a Tatum screen. Yes. And so that that was a really solid night for him. Like you said, 17 points off the bench, 6 of 13 from the field, 4 of 4 from the line, which was big. Um, And while we're mentioning it, too, I also want to give shout-outs to Marcus Smart. Yes, sir. Um, Fourth quarter, um, he had a couple turnovers that were ugly, but besides that, like he was massive, instrumental in that comeback, um, especially when you look at just the overall energy that they needed. Um, really, really brought it. I, I was really, really impressed with the team and the way that they responded after the collapse last time. It felt scarily trending in that same direction for this one, but they managed to go ahead and pull it out by fighting tooth and nail. And I think you really have to look at Jalen Brown for this series specifically. Um, he's been one of the brightest stars so far in the playoffs, looking around at the rest of the league. I mean, just crazy stats and just a monster performance when you really needed it. 13 to 25 from the field, 32 points in the night, six to eight from three, five rebounds, two assists and a block. Um, only two turnovers too, which is big. This so is he big. was just monstrous, monstrous night. Um, and when you look ahead too, like that's going to be, that's going to be a matchup that you're going to look at with James Harden. Um, I don't know how this team is going to attack with Philly specifically, because if Joel Embiid's not there, like, are you focusing on the three point shot? Or are you trying to attack the paint? Like, right. How are you going about that? And I do wonder too, like Grant Williams got 17 minutes, right? Damn yep. near 17, almost 1730. He didn't dazzle, but he looked like he was in, engaged, invested, out there hustling, getting some rebounds, getting an assist, getting a steal. Like he looked like a dude who was hungry for minutes. And I think in a series where you're going to go against PJ Tucker, I think you're going to need 
you're going to really, really, really want to have Grant out there. So I'm interested to see if he gets in the mix. I don't know what your thoughts are on that before we try and wrap yeah, up. I, I, I feel like Grant has, is earning his time. I, I don't know what he did to, to not earn the time, but that's going to be a good – but see, he's going to be needed in that series. You're going to have to deal with the PJ. You're going to have to deal with those type of guys. And to me, I feel like that's Grant, seal, uh, Grant Williams' ceiling, right? That's who he can become, the, the PJ Tucker – if he tightens up on defense, the only thing about Grant Williams, and, and I like his tenacity, right? I mm-hmm. like the fact that he'll make up in his mind and say, F everybody, I'm going to go get this layup. But then he never gets, <laughs> he never makes the layup. He just it, needs to polish it. He just That's has really to polish it, it, Tim. He just has to polish it. But the only way you can polish it, Tim, is by playing basketball. So he has to be yeah, out reps. there on the court. And I think he'll get, men, like I said, 17, almost 17 and a half minutes for Grant. That was huge for the Celtics. Uh, and and they played they played overall well and finished out that game against the Philadelphia 76ers. They're gonna have to bring their A game night in and night out. Like they're gonna have to bring it in with or without Embiid. See, without Embiid is more scary with Embiid. Why? Because then the Celtics have the opportunity to play down to the competition. Embiid is their their, their guy. That doesn't mean James Harden can't get buckets. Doesn't mean that other players on their team can't get buckets. It could be one of those nights. The last time we played Philadelphia, like PJ Tucker ain't hit a shot the whole game until the fourth quarter. Next thing you know, PJ, he's the he's the man. They won because of that. They was it was because of him. We left him wide open, and that's what I wanted to end my stint on. I'm not sure why the Celtics are always um, either out of position on defending the three point. Or, like, what is going on defending the three-point shot? Like, I get the, the the reports, the scouting reports, be like, hey, man, let this guy shoot. But this is the NBA. Everybody can hit threes at all the positions. You're leaving a guy wide open, it's more of a chance of it going in, right? Yeah, I think part of it is, like, they want to be selective with the shots that they contest. I think they're really, really trying to let some of these – three-point shooter shoot like you said like i think they're looking at the scouting report and saying we can live with this guy taking a three if he hits it okay great but we're not gonna go ahead and overextend our defense or overreact to try and go defend a three so i think that's part of it like any i wouldn't say that if it weren't for the fact that like you look at some of the guys who they were letting take threes like john collins got a lot of open threes deandre hunter got a lot of open threes and there were some points in time in game open, six where bro. I got frustrated. Yeah, like wide open. Like not even not even, even close to a contest. Because when I got frustrated, <laughs> you told me to chillax. I'm like, okay. Uh, well, so you got guy. so you got ahead of you got ahead of me though. That was the thing. That was the you thing. were ahead of me, so you were reacting. I was like, I'm like a 30 second delay behind you. You did this say time. it like that, but I was like, please don't. <laughs> I don't want to spoil anything. I was already like crazy enough trying to like run between the rooms and try and see what's going down. Bro. So Oh, you're fine. And the um, funny thing is I was behind because I'm watching it on the stream and it's usually delayed. <laughs> so that's the funny part. But yeah, so I think um, <laughs> I think just overall looking at the series and seeing how they're going to defend, I think the big thing I would look out for um, is you don't want to leave guys open. I think it's the big Thank thing. Thank you. You know, Thank I, you. I, I, I do want to see like how the attack... <laughs> I want to see how they attack offensively. Like the 76ers with that, with no Joel Embiid in there, like how is James Harden going to play? Like, how's that going to roll out? But I don't know. I mean, we'll see. I'm excited. I'm excited for the series. Again, I think it's going to be five games, especially depending on health, but um, I guess we'll see what happens there. 
Besides that, do you have anything else to add before we wrap it up today, man? I know you got plenty of other stuff to do for NFL coverage. Oh, man, it's crazy. I know with that. Hey, look, I think the Celtics are ready. I think they got whipped into shape. How about that? I'll take it. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> um, so with that, we're going to wrap up this episode of Vitamin C's podcast. Uh, again, proud part of the CLNS Media Network. And we'll catch you next time. I think we'll probably go after game one. Um, game one is going to be on Monday. Uh, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time tip-off, and that's going to be at TD Garden. Besides that, uh, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Sign up at FanDuel.com slash Boston and get in on the action with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet.